Welcome to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and Dee. I'm Maz Mary. And I'm Dana DelVal. Whether you're a person on an addiction sobriety path, or you know someone who is, we're here to talk about our journey with it. And more importantly, we want to help end the stigma and shame of alcoholism. And we want to bring some hope and laughter along the way too. Thanks for tuning in. See, got you again. Good morning. (laughs) Makes me laugh every time. I just would like a fade out. I just would like someone to show me how to do a fade out. Whatever. Um, Thank you for indulging us being off on Tuesday. I would say I'm 70%. Yeah. Which is better than the negative 50% I was on Tuesday. Yeah, you you were a bit rough there. Yeah, I was. So uh, forgive the cough drops, but that's preferable to the coughing. Um, Welcome to Daily Dose. We're happy to be back, and we're really happy to have our guest with us. I put a link into the show notes of how we first connected with Mike. It's one of those great, how is that possible? It's This could only have happened in COVID. COVID gave us Mike Roderick in the most glorious of ways. So let's bring him on and we'll talk about that and all kinds of other things. Good morning, Mike. Hey, Mike. Good morning. How's it how going? Good, good. Good, good. to see nice you. Nice you. Thanks for being with us. Yeah. Good. Maybe we'll try not to talk over each other the entire episode. <laughs> um, so, Mike, I was um, I was thinking about how we first connected because mm-hmm. you're New York City based. There's no reason in the world for us to know each other, aside from the fact that the Internet makes the world microscopic and enormous at the same time. Yeah. Um, but we have some mutual friends Mm-hmm. which I also met in totally random ways. So we don't <laughs> go on and on about it um, because the blog post really does explain how I was connected to you through an East Coast connection, through a West Coast connection, and through all kinds of things. But I love I love what you do. So explain to people, first of all, what you do because um, it's, it's really incredible. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Um, so the way I like to frame it is I uh, help thoughtful givers become thought leaders. Uh, usually people who are very, very good at doing the work, who are subject matter experts, who support others, um, tend to be the most likely to deprioritize the packaging of themselves. They, they don't take that time to sort of come up with what is their big idea, what are their frameworks, what are their models for sort of teaching uh, their concepts in the world. Uh, so I come in as sort of a mix between Malcolm Gladwell and Don Draper for these people and uh, help them put that together. <laughs> that is a good combination. Thanks. I hope you get Don Draper's hair and Malcolm Gladwell's voice. Right? And, there you and, go. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you're not on today, Mike, to talk about like your own addiction journey. You're not on. We're not. We didn't bring you on for that. I actually brought you on because I watched you do. Um, what do you call it? Mike at the, live in the park. Uh, oh, Mike drops. Mike drops. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Mike drops. Um, you were in Central Park when I watched this video, I think early in August, mm-hmm. and you talked about how when you were getting started, you just started reaching out to people because what are you out to ask if someone will meet you for coffee, meet over Zoom, whatever. If they say no or they don't respond, great, then move on to the next person. And as I was watching this, I thought, how do I get Mike Roderick on Daily Dose? 
Um, <laughs> knowing that there, I mean, from my understanding, there's not an immediate direct connection. Um, so I thought, I'm just going to ask him. And I did. And you said yes. I mean, you kind yeah. of had to, Mike, because you told everybody that that's what they should do. I know, right? I, I made that challenge to folks yeah. to, to do that outreach. So, uh, so yeah. So, if I was uh, dismissive of the people who, uh, who, who did the outreach to me, that would just be, that would just be poor branding, right? Poor really <laughs> branding. So, I'm curious, Mike, how many people asked you to do something based on that video? Um. I think that there were probably like one or two, like it was pretty small, um, you know, you, you and that happens. Um, I can't tell you the number of times that I've done something where I've, and I've done that in my daily email too, where I've sort of like written the challenge or, or said something like, like literally just contact me right now. Like, ask me a question. Like I am here. Um, and it's fascinating how that day, you know, there, there would be like one or two, but I've had instances where people will come to me sometimes months later and say, I remember that thing that you did back in August. And, you know, today I just had this thought that I needed to, that I, that I needed to talk to you, right. Yeah. That I needed to reach out. Um, so you definitely see, a. There's not sort of a direct correlation, I think, a lot of the time when you sort of make those challenges or you sort of put something out to out to an audience because the audience is on its own timeline, right? They're all they're always kind of sort of figuring out like what do they want to spend their day doing. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's interesting. Well, I was ecstatic when you said yes because what's so fascinating to me about the daily email that you send out is how often I read something. And it's primarily for thought leaders. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, I would say it's for thought leaders and it's for people who are just interested in you as a person because you really create this beautiful little world that we get to be part of um, with your wife and your two girls who I feel like I could pick out. If you presented me 5,000 <laughs> two-year-old and six-year-old girls, I feel like I could pick out Diana and Junie. I, <laughs> but I feel pretty confident I could. Um, because I love that. you've created this beautiful little world. But I so often read your emails and think, boy, we can talk about that on Daily Dose. Mm. And so I, it speaks to the fact that what we didn't anticipate with Daily Dose is that the struggles of an alcoholic are often the struggles of a human being. Mm. And so that. a thought leader might fail at something. An alcoholic might fail at something. Somebody who is a CEO might fail. I mean... It's just a human condition. And yeah. so your your points, we talk about you a lot on this show. So I'm really happy to have you here. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to be here. This is super exciting. Um, so I have to po put up the comment. This is from my mother. I have to always let people know that because she's super effusive. Mike, <laughs> all you have to do is start engagement is smile. Your smile is so inviting. You look interested, and then obviously you can back it up with your agenda. That's absolutely oh. true. And for those of you who are going to listen to this on a podcast later, Mike does have a fantastic smile. That out of the way. Um, Mike, one of the first things I want to talk to you about is consistency, because that's mm. a huge piece of maintaining any daily practice, and staying sober is a daily practice. So talk about yeah. the consistency of writing a daily email. 
Yeah. Um, so I've I've been asked about this a, a number uh, a number of different times in sort of a number of different formats. And uh, over the years, I found that there were basically like three Ps that just always come to mind whenever anybody asks me about that. Um, and uh, the first is planning. Uh, the second is prioritization, and the last is permission to suck. Uh, so I'll. So I'll start. I'll start with planning. Um, the, I think one of the core reasons why we sometimes struggle with consistency is that we say we want to do this thing, but then it's like it's literally just this kind of thought in our heads that we want to do it, right? So, so sometimes it's just as simple as saying, "Okay, I want to do this thing," and just asking yourself, "Well, when would I do it, mm. and how might I do it?" And like, what would it actually look like? And you just kind of sit there and it's not like you're sitting there and trying to like map out. I think a lot of the time we get so caught up in um, this aspect of trying to like make it perfect, right? So we'll be like, oh, well, let me try to like map out like 30 days of, uh, of content. And for some people that's great. For some people, the batching stuff really, really works. But for some people, that's, that's a lot to sort of think about. So it's easier to just say like, you know what? I want to do this thing. When would I like to do it? How would I like to do it? And just super, super simple planning. And then the second piece is that prioritization where you ba basically say, okay, how do I make sure that I'm aware for myself of how important this is to me? So it's mm -hmm. worth it to sort of like sit down and say, okay, well, what is the actual purpose of this? What am I hoping that this will accomplish? You know, so for me personally, daily writing is what I like to refer to as content market research. Mm -hmm. So I write about problems and issues and challenges. And then I see what my audience kind of comes back to me with in terms of their complaints or their issues or the things that really resonate with them. And then that gives me ideas for new content or in some cases, new products, services, offers, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, it gives me that sort of like market research of figuring out like what my audience wants. So that's why it's so important to me to do it on a daily basis because I'm getting those additional sort of data points. Yeah. And then that final piece is what I call permission to suck. And uh, you have to give yourself permission to suck. And the reason why I say this is that you can't be consistent and brilliant. <laughs> Not going to work. You're, yeah. you're going to have some days where you just knock it out of the park oh, and that like thing is just the best thing you ever wrote <laughs> you know other days nope right like other days it's gonna be it's it's gonna be mediocre some days it's gonna actually be awful um but in all of those instances you're learning and the other thing that i've just found over the years is that you never know how the market is going to respond to something. So even something that you think is a throwaway, that you think, ah, why would anybody even listen to this? Is the thing that everybody sort of take, you know, it takes in. And and permission to suck literally is like an example of that because I was sitting with a copywriter. Uh, I was actually at a party uh, where there was this copywriter. He wrote like these like. $50 million sales letters. Like this is a guy who like words, he just like writes words and makes money. Right. Good and I'm, I'm at, right. It's like crazy. And I'm at this guy's party and he's talking about wanting to write a book. 
and how he really wanted to write a book and all those different types of things. And he's asking me about sort of like getting over the hump. And I said, just offhandedly, I was like, well, you know, I'm like, I just kind of give myself permission to suck. And he just like went off on that, started talking about it. Like, like nothing. And for me, I was like, that was a throwaway. But then when I saw that, I started saying it in interviews. I started Mm. writing about it. And all of a sudden I had all these people who were really interested in that idea and, and that concept. Well, it's um, Anne Lamott's bleepy first draft. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it is that every everybody knows because it gets talked about from athletics to content creation that the hardest step is the first step. And often your first step is not going to be very good. Yeah. You know, yeah. We talk a lot on this about um, toddlers learning to walk, babies learning to walk. You don't say to a baby who takes a step and falls down, what a jerk. Give it up. Yeah. You're never going to walk. You celebrate that they tried. Yep. You know, and yep. so I think it's really interesting that we forget that sucking is part of the process. Yes. Yes. You don't do anything right out of the gate. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and that failure is is always an opportunity to learn right like there's so much you go back and you look at it and you're like oh well okay that that was the reason for that face plant so like what could i potentially do differently next time there's just such a gift in those moments that for many of us do like i mean i'm not saying that it, it doesn't suck when it happens when you're just like you do this thing and it like doesn't hit the way that you want it to hit yeah but you definitely learn a ton if you take the time to really look at you know what happened and and yeah. can think about sort of that next step i was going to say this and mother said it if you only had success you wouldn't even be able to appreciate it you know, mm. how often do you reflect on what worked? Right. You know that it worked. So you just keep doing it. You reflect on what didn't work because, you know, that's where the, the growth and the opportunities come in. Yeah. So, so Mike, so, I had to, yeah. well, I had to relearn. I think at some point I might have been able to do this, but I had to go to rehab to remember the difference between hearing someone and listening to someone. And you clearly listen to people you, you can, you listen, you can understand, you can say what's next. How did you learn how to do that? Because I think that's, yeah, I've recently moved into middle management. I've become a chair of a department and I, and if I couldn't have gone through what I did, I would never listen to these people because I just listen to them and they're just going, and I just think, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, is anyone in the but department I just, think, is watching. I just want to scream out, screw up. But I have to listen to find out why they can't get over that step. But you do it so naturally. Yeah. So it comes from it comes from two places. It comes from the teaching world and it comes from the theater world, which were both places that 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 I that I was in. Because in both in both industries, one of the most important and probably one of the most powerful tools that you have is active listening. So good actors listen to the other person and they're in the moment when they're doing that scene. They're not thinking about their next line. They're not thinking about how they want to be better than the other person on the stage. And good teachers listen to the questions that the students ask and don't bulldoze them and try to, you know, 
push their own sort of agendas and, and processes. And both of those instances are active listening. And active listening is an actual skill. It's a practice. It's something that you need to take time to work on because your brain is always, always, always tempted to either live in the future or live in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? That's true. Second you hear something, you're like, oh, that reminds me of this thing that happened a while back. And then like you're off to the races, right? And the other person's going, going, going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, oh, what, what did they say? Like, right, what, you right. know, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a practice. You mm-hmm. have to really practice that aspect of active listening. And one of the things that helped me, especially in the early stages of, of this, was I always have this. I always have this little notepad, right? And when I'm listening to people and I'm, you know, hearing what they're talking about, I write down notes on that notepad. And because I'm writing down notes, it slows down my brain. I can't start thinking about a bunch of different things. I have to like write down what I'm hearing. And as a result, over time, doing that over and over and over again, it started to become more of a practice where I was able to really actively listen when somebody was sharing something with me and I'm able to drop into that more. But just like we had talked about, I certainly have times when I'm in a conversation and and something happens and I get distracted and I think about the past or I think about the future, right? If I'm in here and Diana goes running across screaming, right? I don't know what's going on out there, right? So like there's a moment where I'm like, I wonder what's going on out there. And I might miss, you know, like a section of something or, or, or sort of not be there. So I, I think it's just really important anytime we sort of see something that somebody does and we're like, oh, how do you do that? We, we make sure to understand that like they're also always in process. Everybody we admire is also in process. It's not like they've figured it out. It's not like they've got this whole thing on lock. Yeah. Yeah, that's such great advice. That is good advice. I tell people all the time, too, that I think the most valuable thing from my theater degree is active listening. You mm-hmm. you can't unlearn that. I mean, you can not practice it. <laughs> yeah. you, you always know, like, oh, I should be listening better. Yeah. I should not be thinking about what I'm going to say next. I should be listening. And you can't unknow that once you really learn it. It's It's an incredibly powerful skill that is so transferable. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, mother's got one more thing to say to us. <laughs> I think you could have imaginary pad moments when you have to say to yourself, pretend you have your pad. I'm going to try that. It will slow me down, I hope. That's actually <laughs> great because yeah. not not every moment can you do that. But that is a yeah. great visual of just, uh, where's my notebook? I love the fact that you yeah. actually had a notebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a classic theatrical thing, right? Like, <laughs> where you're just like, I'm going to show you something. Yeah. Very blues clues of you, Mike. Um, I want to read a quote from um, I don't know. I think it was a again. I think it was an August um, newsletter from you mm-hmm. because I really, I really loved this, and it was all about um, how how people take advice. Mm. So you say there's a big difference between telling people there's not enough room and telling people that's not the one about advice. I'm sorry. This yeah, is a different one. We're doing two. There's a big difference between telling people there's not enough room and telling people that the room is just for them. It's scarcity marketing. That's what it was about. Ah, yes. And so this idea of 
again, as I, as I read it and was thinking about the ways that I tried to get Maz to stop drinking, mm. everything I tried was sort of from a place of scarcity. Yeah. I, I didn't know how to think about it any other way. And I don't, I don't want anyone to hear me saying, if I had just shifted the way I talked to him and said, you know, there's a beautiful rehab place down the road. It's waiting for you. I don't think you would have said to me, hot dog, I'm going to yeah. put down and march myself to rehab. I wish it was that easy. But, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> but um, I think there's something really beautiful about moving from scarcity to individual abundance. Yeah. So can you just talk a little bit more about that? Because I loved sure. that phrase. Yeah. So a lot of the time what we see, and and this really just comes from the fact that there's been so much marketing out there that has been sort of built on scarcity, where the idea is there's not enough for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So like, you got to get in and you've got to do this. And it works in a in a lot of different contexts, like there's a lot of instances where where that element of there's not enough seats, there's not enough will get people to sort of act. But I'm a very firm believer in in the idea that there is no one way. So when I started to think about this, you know, this concept and how I wanted people to feel if I was hosting a program, if I was putting something together, I didn't want them to think, oh man, I need to buy, I need to do it right now, etc. Et I wanted them to know that I want them there because I think that they can legitimately contribute to the experience. Mm -hmm. So I sort of shifted that idea of scarcity to the idea of selection. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of opportunity in this and I'm actually going to, um, this uh, will likely be today's mic drop is Ooh. about the fact that when I, when I am running a program, I don't think about it as I'm trying to find people for the program. I think about it as I am casting mm. this program. So okay. the second somebody signs up, I'm like, okay, I've got my, I've got my first actor. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be great on stage with them? Who's going to be a good match? And that's why I do, when I do the outreach, I think through, I don't just say like, okay, here's everybody. I say, okay, who would be good for this group based mm -hmm. on the people who are in? And I cast it. And, and I have found that that has made the programs much more successful because people come in and they're already like, wow, I like, I really like this other person. Or, oh, I really like appreciate this, you know, this perspective that's complementary to my own. And what they don't know is that behind the scenes, I cast it. I paid attention to the, the psychographics. I paid attention to the personalities and I said, okay, you all like really could support each other in some, you know, significant ways. And it's just, and it's because, and it really came out of that aspect of, I don't like the idea of scarcity. I don't like the idea of rushing people into things. I have, I, I celebrate no's. If somebody comes back to me and is like, this is not a fit. It's not, you know, it's, it, it's not going to work. 
fantastic. You are where you are right now. And that is totally fine. You do not have to be a part of my thing because I see so many things out there where people get like just browbeaten over the fact that they didn't buy something or that they didn't do something. And I'm like, no, I want you, if, if you're going to be in something, I want you to be all in it because that's how you're going to give your best contribution to the experience. If you feel like you were tricked into it or you feel like you were pushed into it from a scarcity perspective, you're not going to want to contribute to that experience. You're going to be in there kind of like my past, you know, students, if they didn't like English and they were in my class, they didn't want to do the work. Like They were sitting there being like, Oh God, I got to read, you know, read this book or, you know, whatever thing. And I don't want angry students in my classes or people who don't want to be there. It doesn't make any sense. No. So as I'm failing at active listening, um, I'm, because I, I, was, I was good. I got that. I know. I mean, I, I, I you know, I'm doing like shallow active listening. But, <laughs> but what's so interesting is that, um, I, of course, what I'm thinking as you're talking is, wow, I kind of forgot how Mike and I are basically the same person in two different locations. Because, you know, I was an English teacher. I have this theater background. I've moved into this thought leadership. It's just it's very funny to me. Um, but you're so, so right. I'm, I'm thinking about just the ways that, that you feel when you join something and you know it's the right fit and the ways that you feel when you join something and you know it's the wrong fit. And there yep. is just no question. It's an instinct thing. And yeah. I, th- I think what's so beautiful about what you're saying is if we put it in the addiction world, the instinct really needs to be from the, the spouse or the loving person from the addict, from the people who will serve in, um, in a rehab facility or a day treatment plan or whatever. If we all come from a place of there is a space for you, you belong here in this group. And if it doesn't work, then we wish you well. I mean, again, someone not signing up for a thought leadership class and someone not getting treatment to become sober are not the same things. Not at all. But the the mindset is really similar. Aren't yeah. you more likely to be successful if you feel like you belong? Yeah. And what you're bringing up, I think, is is that is sort of the tie in between the two is in order for somebody to really do something, the decision does have to be theirs. And yeah. if they don't feel like the decision is theirs because they've been coerced or because they've been pushed or because all of these other scarcity tools and all of these other things were sort of put at play, then they're not going to stick with it. They're not going to stay in something if they feel like it wasn't their decision. And mm-hmm. and that goes across the board. That's it. when people feel like I have made the decision, I am in control of the decision. They follow through on what that thing is. The second somebody feels pressured or the second somebody feels like it's, it wasn't my decision, they're, they're probably going to have a struggle in, in staying with whatever that, you know, wh- whatever that choice is. Yeah, that's a fantastic transition to this second um, recent email that I want to read a little bit longer section from because yeah. this <laughs> so resonated with me because my entire life's mantra is you are not the boss of me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So you say, no one likes to be told what to do. And when someone gives us advice, it can easily be seen as being told what to do. So we naturally push back against it, even if it's something that will benefit us. This is one of those quirky human nature kinds of things that can sometimes land us in a lot of trouble. So the question then becomes, how do we stop ignoring good advice? How do we start to take the ideas being presented to us and examine them rather than push them away? It comes down to a simple reframe. When something is suggested, it can easily be seen as being told what to do. But all we have to do is stop feeling that way. And all we have to do to stop feeling that way is realize that we're not actually being told what to do. We are being introduced to a new way to think. Again, such a, when you read it, you go, well, obviously. <laughs> That's a huge shift, Mike. Yeah. Huge, huge shift. So just, um, just comment on that a little bit. Cause sure. watch a, I mean, I really read it and thought, Oh, you, you doorknob. All <laughs> where you've been like, Nope, you're not the boss of me. You've been shutting yourself off to the opportunity to think a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I like, just as I kind of sort of experienced this both in my own life, as well as just in the, in the conversations that I had had with, with clients, the instances in which somebody had sort of asked me for support in something and I would share with them a concept or an idea and there would be that sort of significant pushback or there would be that, Oh, well, I've tried that. And that's, and, and that's never worked. And the more that I sort of thought about it, I was like, well, you know, if we are, if, if we are looking at it as this person's telling me what to do, we're going to naturally be adversarial, right? Like it's just, and, and I mean, I, I have watched this happen numerous times between me and my wife, Nora, right? Where Nora will literally tell me that this is something that I should be doing, that this is a good idea. Uh, and I'll be like, Oh, you know, I'm not sure, etc. And then somebody else will literally be like, so Mike, you know, I, I was thinking about this and I thought that like, this might be a good idea for, you know, and I'll be like, oh my God, that's great. And I'll go to Nora and I'll be like, I'm doing this thing. And she's like, that's the thing I told you to do. Like, you know, weeks ago, you know, kind of thing. And, and, you know, it's, it, it's one of those classic things of when we're very close to people, we, we tend to be a little adversarial, right? We tend to be like, okay, well, you know, yeah, but you don't really know, like you don't really, you know, kind of thing. But then when there's sort of that outside perspective, it's like, oh, so then I was just like, well, what if, what if I just sort of approached it from that angle of the person giving me the advice, even if they're close to me, it's not, it's not them giving me this advice. It's this outside perspective, right? Like what if I just imagine <laughs> that, you know, whatever's being presented to me is another option, you know? And I think that's the other thing. It's like when we, when, when something is presented to us as the thing or the only way, it makes us feel like we don't have options and it really sucks to like feel like you don't have options. Yeah. So if you're able to basically be like, oh, well, wait a second, they're giving me an option. Like they're just giving me kind of a different way to think about this. So why don't I just kind of do that thought experiment and see how it goes and see what happens. Yeah. And it just, it changes that dynamic. You know, it changes that dynamic. And again, just like I talked about before, it's always in practice. 
it will Nora still say things to me and will I still not do them? <laughs> of course, right? Like it will happen, you know, but now I'm sort of having those moments where in, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stop for a second and, and rather than just dismissing it, say, oh, huh, well, maybe I should test that out and sort of see how that goes. Maybe I'll try that, you know, and it's just a very subtle shift, but it's, uh, it can be very, very powerful. Well, you know, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking about, <clears throat> so um, our son is much, much older than your girls, but uh, you are going to have these moments coming up shortly in your life where you and your child work through some things. You think you've worked through it. So we'll use our son and his um, disorganization around junior <laughs> high. <laughs> you know, I know where this you know, when maybe we should get you a notebook. You could write your homework assignments down. Yeah, that's a great idea. Okay. I, I bet we bought Quinn 400 different kinds yeah. of notebooks. I mean, I I problem solved his disorganization till the friggin' cows came know, home. So, <laughs> the weird thing about his notebooks is it was the same thing with our dog and tennis balls. We found these notebooks. It's true. All over the house. Yeah, it was crazy. They never got us anywhere. One day he came home from seventh grade and he said, Mom, do you know how Gabe keeps track of his homework? And I said, How? And he said, he writes it down in a notebook. <laughs> I thought I I basically had to pick up a third job to cover all the notebooks we've bought. We oh my no recollection of the notebooks. Yeah. What I was thinking as I was listening to you was how important from the giver's perspective it also is to not be so invested in being right. It's just mm. one option. Yeah. And that's hard. Yeah. I mean, I was right about the notebook, but it wasn't right for Quinn in that moment. And so it doesn't matter that I was right. Yeah. And I was way too invested in it and in needing to be the one who could sort of hold up the blue ribbon. And that's, that's irrelevant too. So it's really a beautiful lesson, I think, for both sides of that engagement. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of, uh, there's this book called Just Listen uh, by Mark Goulston. And in it, uh, he talks about how, you know, we just don't listen to each other, right? And he sort of breaks down like all the different uh, sort of ideas and concepts behind it. But one of the one of the things he talks about is this aspect of what matters more to you being right or the relationship with the other person. Mm-hmm. And and that you want to talk about sort of like something just like wedging itself in your memory. I read that book back when I was still producing Broadway shows. So oh. we're talking like 2008, 2009 maybe. And just that has always sort of stayed and I can still see myself in the coffee shop reading that book and having that moment of, oh my God, do I want to be right? Or do I do it? Do I really value this relationship? And it was just, I mean, just mind blowing for me. Yeah. There are some of those moments where you're gifted the opportunity to change your course mm-hmm. um, and you can take it or not. It's yep. like everything else. You can take the advice or you can say, what do you know, guy in the book? I'm not taking <laughs> that advice. I need to be right. Exactly. Yeah, how it works out. Um, Mike. Yeah. This has been so interesting. It has. It really has. <laughs> Thank you. I want to put your um, 
website up so that people can sign up. I just, I want to encourage people to get this newsletter, even if you're not in entrepreneurial world, if you're not self-employed, if you're not trying to cast yourself out into the world, I cannot tell you how many times each week I read something from this and just file it away in my little imaginary notebook in my brain. Um, plus, as I said, the delight, like all summer in your turtle. I loved your turtle story. <laughs> farm. French oh, fries. <laughs> yeah. And so, so much of what you write is just pithy and spot on and life advice that I think is applicable across the board. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, we really appreciate you taking time this yes, morning. Thank you. That was and yeah. listen to your brand. Yeah, it was such a blast. Such a blast. So much it, fun. It really was. And uh, it re-reminded, I guess that's redundant. It reminded me yeah. that um, I need to figure out how to engage with you a little bit more. I want to be cast in something with you shortly. So we'll be back in touch soon, Mike. But thanks so thanks, much. Mike. Great to talk yes. to you. Thank you again. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Everybody else, we intend to be back on Tuesday. I, I could be 100% by then. So I'm sure we'll see you then. Have an excellent day. We'll Bye. see you soon. Thanks. Take care, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to Daily Dose of Dr. Mary and DD. If you enjoyed the content and want to learn more, head over to Facebook to Daily Dose Dr. Mary DD. You can find us on YouTube under Dana DelVal. And if you want to get signed up for our weekly newsletter, email me at D-A-Y-N-A at D-A-Y-N-A-D-E-L-V-A-L dot com. Have a great day. We hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.